attention patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, where you can always find us at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Uh, J.C., we just finished off Liberty Tour 2019 Arkansas. Where yep. we did, uh, oh my goodness, seven classes in seven days. <laughs> I only did six of them. You took one in the middle. You were actually in our, in Oklahoma that day doing the class uh, Morality of Resistance. I, that is that is one of my favorite, favorite classes. Um, when I was teaching on the right to keep and bear arms, I offered up a an interesting hypothetical. And that hypothetical has kept me thinking uh, for a few days. And here's what I said. JC, you weren't in the room, actually, when I said this. I said, what if the federal government passed a law that said all property in America now belongs to the federal government? After all, we have the best perspective on what is necessary uh, to maintain this property. We have the resources that the states and the people don't have to make sure that our property is secure and that our property endures for future generations. And uh, we have better facilities, better uh, understanding, better resources at our disposal to help you take care of this property. So we're just going to pass this law. Now, we're not going to change anything. You still live on this property. Sounds like Atlas Shrugged. You still <laughs> you still live on this property. You still have a home on this property. You can have your garden on this property. You can live on this property. But we're going to just simply uh, just for for best keeping purposes and monetary take care purposes, we're going to transfer this property to the ownership of the people of America Got in it. order for you. Uh, in order for us to better take care of this stuff, right? Got it. Which means now that you, your property is in the service of the people of America. Sure. Okay. What do you? And and I asked I asked the people, how would you respond to a law like that? We already have laws like that. I know, I know, but we don't say those things out loud, JC. People don't think about it, and it, it caused the audience to fall silent for a second. And the audience said, well, a lady in the audience said, we already have those. They're called property taxes. Well, it goes even further than that. 
I think it's. I mean, I think that's that's the national the d- parks are that. Well, no, but think about that. The ranchers and the farmers have that as well, yeah. especially in the West, right? You don't, you can't graze on your property. You can't use the water on your oh, property. You, you could still stay there. Yeah. You can so, stay there. Yeah, but that's you can't. pretty much how it is. Right, exactly. That is, that is property in America at this point. Exactly. And so I wanted to talk about today, and I'm afraid, JC, this is going to be one of those classes where uh, we're going to get lots of hate mail. We're going to get lots of uh, uh, people who disagree with us on this. This might be a purge class, but I want to talk about property rights in America. And I want to specifically, I want to specifically let us look at property rights in regard to to the wall okay so uh, this is something that i have been researching something that i've been looked in into and our friend andrew nappy you know andrew right he posted this article on you that was up on usa today about a woman and her family who have been uh who, who own land on texas that borders the river for multiple generations and uh, she says that uh, they have never seen any people coming across the border onto their property. They've never had any problems with with uh, anybody coming onto their property. Their property s- spans many, many acres between her and her family members. She says, as a matter of fact, the terrain actually makes it very difficult to cross the border at this you don't i have um a picture of the usa today article up on the uh, youtube channel as we're broadcasting this and you can't really tell by the picture but she describes that there's a huge um hill uh, uh what do they call it like a plateau where it makes it really difficult to even get to the river from that side and the river's breadth and depth at that point makes it difficult to cross yeah, I think it's a given. Most of the problems happen in, or in particular locations. Right. So here's the thing. Because of the geography. I mean, ge- right. the geography of the land and the terrain, you know, kind of directs people at a certain to a certain area. Now, USA Today has printed her op-ed that's, that gives the situation of her family and talks about how the Army Corps of Engineers and the federal government has contacted her telling her they're going to seize her property to build this wall. Now, I just want to point out, JC, that there is nothing uh, genuine about the USA Today's property, you know, ban for uh, plea for property rights, right? Because the USA Today never said anything when the Bureau of Land Management was taking property from the Bundys or the Hammonds or when the federal go- or when when local police or FBI or whoever actually did it murdered Lavoie over these property rights issues. Right. So these these this is the one thing that really really irritates me about this wall thing and the property rights aspect is that nobody in the media was taking the side of the ranchers with Hammond Bundy or the not Nevada or, or Oregon ranchers, right? But now all of a sudden, when it's politically advantageous to their position, they're going to be big property rights people. 
Well, and the reverse is true, right? Because it's, right. it's the not my guy syndrome. Right, and so, that's what so I wanted to that, talk about today. You know, it, Trump is the guy. Then, right. then, it, then it's flipped on the other side. We don't care about property rights, build the wall. So, right. you know, it goes both ways. It's it's tribalism once again, And I think that's, that's why we need to talk about this because, JC, I don't know if this is a, a national fact, but I believe that we are the only ones that are talking about the real solution to this wall thing. We're the only ones that are saying, look, this type of security must come from the state level, mm-hmm. right? And I want to talk about this because here's, here are the facts of her case. She says, my, back door, my backyard is on the border. To me, build that wall is not a slogan. To me, the fight over a border wall is not an abstract argument about politics. To me and to my family and neighbors, construction of a border wall is personal, Right? And she says, in all our generations, we've never seen a, quote, invasion of criminals or drug traffickers or gang members rushing across the border. She says, if the president were to ask us, we would tell them that the terrain here just doesn't make that, you know, available. And she says she's received letters from the U.S. government stating that it will take me to court to gain access to my property and build a border wall across my land. The maps sent to me show a wall uh, and maintain a maintenance road to be constructed just a few feet from my ba- the back of my house. They describe a 150-foot wide enforcement zone and a 20-foot wide road between my house and the river. But the river is only 200 feet from my house, and the land closest to the river is unstable and subject to erosion. So she's like, look, you guys are going to get out here and you're going to push in closer and closer to my house until my house is completely gone. She said, I called the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers realty specialist to ask how a border wall and enforcement zone could fit between my house and the river. And the person told me a wall will be built even if it has to be squeezed in. Can you imagine? I just want you to imagine everybody who's listening, JC, you live in the wide open of Texas. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, when you look out your back window, three feet from your house is a physical wall. Yeah, they, they, you know, the, there used to be this conversation about a, a smart wall, right? I've heard people use the phrase smart wall. So it wasn't this contiguous, you know, great wall of China right. boundary, but... In, it sort of, uh, I guess, bound physical boundaries in the in the area where where these it's necessary. problems are, right? And then, and then, sort of, uh, smart monitoring in in these other areas where they're less likely to cross anyway, or have ever crossed. She says, even if my house itself is spared, it will never be the same. I will lose my entire backyard, and I will be staring at a wall right outside my back door and windows. She says, my family's property next door, where we enjoy family gatherings and the ranching lifestyle, will be divided by the wall with about two-thirds of their land on the south side of the wall. Yeah, I... The problem I see in all this is, again, it goes back to the tribalist 
tribalism and the nature of where we are because it's this you have ex, the, the extremes these crazy crazy leftists who want no security no border you know whatever because they want whoever to come in and transform the electorate and what have you so and then the other side you know it's just build the wall so it's it's a zero-sum game mm-hmm. do this do that so therefore since there's no consensus on we need to secure our borders then the conversation and investigation and research about how best to do that is a conversation not had no because and it's I think all this about is a political symptom. arguments tribalism and not the preservation of the property rights of the people Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Let's just be clear here before the hate mail really kicks in. Uh, JC and I are not, quote-unquote, open borders libertarians. Yeah, you probably should have led with that. Yeah, I probably should have. I realize we're 13 minutes into the show. We are not open border libertarians. We are people who believe that borders, uh, borders are the very definition of a country. You have a border, the border is a very definition of property. You have a border yeah, that flows, goes around your house. I, it it you know? flows from... It flows from the essence of property, right? right exactly. I can put a fence around my property. It's designated as my property. You know, so a, a nation, a republic, a state uh, is, is is an extension of that. So Right, because the extent, because the whole government, people don't realize what government is anymore, but government is basically a, a society of people who possess an individual right collectively working to secure those individual rights. And that collection of people who carry an individual right, one of those individual rights is to secure their property. And so collectively, we secure our property. When our friend Andrew Nappy put this article up, JC, I can't even tell you the hatred. Uh, you know, let this lady die by by in, by a gang, you know, rape. And I mean, it's just nastiness, right? And and why do we have to be that way instead of having a real logical uh, debate? See, here's one of the problems that I have with this. Always the same answer, by yeah. the way. Always the same answer. Tribalism? No, it's it, it, it's like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Forty-two. I mean, you know, is the answer. <laughs> it, it always seems to come back to to for me, Sam Adams' quote. Yeah. Every single yeah. time. I mean, every question you ask, it goes back to that quote. When you say those people, those trolls that get on Facebook. And say this lady should die because she yeah. wants her pro- enjoyment of Probably her property. Is, this it's is not really a troll anymore. But and virtue, right? Knowledge, knowledge and, and virtue. virtue. Those are ignorant, immoral people. We have this problem because we've become an ignorant and immoral populace. And it, situational it me ethics. That's that it, what it is, isn't it? It's situational ethics because no ethics. people will say, "I'm a moral person. No. I don't steal from my neighbor. I don't rob from my boss. I don't. I don't take what's not mine." That's just self-justification. I, you know, it, it makes me think of Washington's quote. You know, go, I think it was Washington. It says something like, 
uh, government is not reason, it's force. This this family's problem, to me, is a is a symptom of reason being removed from our politics and from our national conversation. So one of the conversations that we're not having that I keep hearing over and over again about this, uh, you know, the build the wall, build the wall, build the wall, is the fact that Congress possesses the power to repel invasions. It's Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15. And, you know, the, the, the we, we've already had this discussion. It's Congress that has delegated this authority, not the president. And if Congress fails, it's not the duty of the president to pick up the slack. As a matter of fact, the only duty that uh, anybody has to pick up the slack is through the people and the states, right? So we know, constitutionally speaking, that when Congress fails, it's not the president, it's the states who have to do this. But I, what, what is bothering me, JC, is this definition of the word invasion. How is it that we now can apply, and I searched, I, I mean, I really took a lot of time. I searched the ratification debates, Virginia, Pennsylvania. I read the Anti-Federalist letters. I, wrote the, I read the, the no, notes that Madison took during the debates, the Federalist papers. And when they talk about Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, and they talk about invasion, every single time they talk about war. Invasion is war. Invasion are, is, is a country that is coming in to take our stuff. Now, I'm not saying that invasion itself is not something smaller, okay, because Daniel Webster defines invasion in his dictionary as a hostile entrance into the possession of another, particularly the uh, entrance of a what? Hostile army into a country for the purpose of conquest or plunder or the attack of a military force. He says, an attack on the rights of another infringement or violation, right? So when I see all the farmer, all of the founders talking about this, they're specifically this Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 has to do with war and that the smaller invasions they talk about, what we might classify as invasions, are things that are to be handled by the state militia. And when we come back after the break, I'm going to give you a quote. So you're not saying it's James not an invasion. It's no, a particular type of it's invasion. It's a particular type of invasion that doesn't fall under federal purview. As arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction we cry around Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show, and uh, welcome to the show, my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. We are at chrisannhall.com for your hate mail from today's show, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, because we are having the discussion that's simply not being had. And I want to suggest to you that all this research that I've done about invasion, that there are the specific kind of invasion that our founders were talking about under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, is a military invasion of a size that the state cannot handle it on their own. Because here's the thing. 
the federal government, and, and this is the what we're seeing, the federal government can only paint with a very broad brush. They can't get specific because of the constraints of equal access, equal force under the law. Uh, they have to be uh, have the whole union in mind. These powers being remaining in the states for what we would maybe classify as smaller invasions, because these are not people marching through with weapons. This is a problem with, with movement across the border, with people who are not going to take over in, in a military action in, in, in days. This is obviously something that we've had a problem with for years. It's a problem that can be solved, but it doesn't need to be problem with this blank, this you know, this big broad brush. It has to be done at the state level. I so, I do think it's an invasion. I don't think it's a military invasion, which is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I've said I said that before when I I said, well, it's obviously not a military invasion, and then got attacked for that. Um, so. This, I guess this is what you're clarifying. Yes. It's interesting. The thought just popped into my head because so I it is an it's it's an invasion, particularly what you what you read. I don't know what you were reading earlier about the plundering and, and whatever that mm-hmm. maybe Daniel Webster. But um, all the things you said, I, I'm thinking that's that's what's going on. So it definitely to me is an invasion, mm-hmm. not a military invasion. So the thought that popped in my head. Does that make Reagan guilty of treason? I mean, he was the original one that issued the amnesty thing in the deal they tried to cut right. with the Democrats. I mean, so if this is an invasion now, that was an invasion then, and Reagan gave uh, aid and comfort to the enemy. I don't and know, just just a thought, but just see, a question. No, 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 but see, I mean, if this is an invasion, that was an invasion, right? Right, exactly. So that's and what, that's, that was his reaction. And, and the fact that you have this question, JC, proves my point because we're not having the proper discussions and what we're dealing with here is not a focus on property rights but a focus on political authority and political power. So, yeah, it was Daniel Webster who wrote that an invasion is a hostile entrance into the possession of another, particularly the entrance of a hostile army into a country for the purpose of conquest, plunder, or the attack of a military force. So absent the military aspect of that, to me, all of what he just said, that's what's happened. Over now. It happens like a trickle. Yes, and that's and, my and point. And over a longer period of time. And that is my point because this is a, a trickle over a long period of time. We don't need federal governments involved, federal government involved in this. This is something that ought to be remaining at the local level, at the state level, so that the real focus of individual property rights can be assessed then due process can be had property rights can be assessed because the state can do the survey and say look obviously the terrain makes it impossible uh to to have a problem here about crossing the border so we won't concentrate our efforts here and if by chance our concentrations of efforts in other places
drive people that way, then and only then will we infringe upon the property rights of these people. But in reality, JC, because the federal government is not taking property rights into consideration, but is dealing with this in the broad brush, it now becomes our federal government who is engaging in a hostile entrance into the property of the individual. Yeah, now, and I agree with that, but I would I would say this. So the this long-term invasion, whatever you want to call it, uh, it, it, it's illegal, right? So they're coming illegally. They're violating federal law. Mm-hmm. It's given to the feds to, to enforce this stuff when it right. comes to the uniform rules of naturalization. So it seems to me they have the purview in that sense. Uh, now you you were saying when when Congress when they're failing to do it then it goes back on the states yes to to carry this out yes now uh, I I think we everywhere doesn't need a wall yes uh, and that that's the problem that I see of where now the federal government steps in like a bully because we have a sort of bully kind of politic now on either side oh, i think we've always had a bully politic when it's come to property well i mean i remember things that we've done and i mean even as when i was a young man and 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 a kid and whatever i mean i i know i've seen really hostile hostile things on both sides but i have seen things where we've had national conversations about how to do what we agreed to do. And here I go again, I go goes back to me of we've devolved uh, so far. We don't even have an agreement. And this is the sloganeering thing again. We don't even have agreement about our nation being secure, securing our borders. Mm-hmm. And 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 here's uh, to mention the sloganeering thing, build the wall that we talk about, build the wall. If like in this lady, people actually even know what that means. But in this lady's situation, if if it was secure the border, Right. Let's secure our borders. Then then the question you you can have the the uh, discussion about how best do we do that? And in, you know, these different locations, context scenarios, if it's if the slogan sloganeering is what we're doing, build the wall there. There's no question. There's no debate. There's no discussion. It's just there's going to be a wall from this end to that. And so that's as I've mentioned before, to me, the danger of sloganeering. We're not, it's not about building a wall. It's about securing our borders. A wall in places is a legitimate part of that, but I don't think that's legitimate everywhere or necessary. Yeah, I think my problem here is this, is that, um, we're we're not having the discussion. We're not thinking rationally. People are operating based on tribalism and based on emotion. It's the same kind of emotion that that creates these red flag laws, these these gun confiscation laws, yeah. these this hyperactive galvanic response. Again, I am not opposed opposed to border security. I am not opposed to the people being safe from those who want to attack them. My my problem is, why are we jumping to the extreme when we have failed to even start with the rational uh, border security, the minimum border? We don't do bin- minimum border security at this point. We don't have... We don't have a secure border. We have people that stand on... You know, we have agents who are there. 
who are, are, are at the, the official border crossings. But beyond that, we don't really have a, a real concerted effort at border security. Where, 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 if the Army Corps of Engineers can tell this woman, we're building a wall and we'll squeeze it in somehow, why can't the Army Corps of Engineers do a real property survey and say it's not necessary right here? Yeah. And that's my point, because the federal government paints with a very broad brush. The, the details of things like this, the, the small actions, must be done yeah. at the I, local yeah, level. I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. The state would be more responsive yes. in a situation like this. Absolutely. And that's why, uh, and, and Government again, governs best when it governs local. And it governs least, right? Meanwhile, here I have to bring back up, we've got the ranchers and the farmers that are consistently being robbed, consistently being uh, oppressed, being plundered by our own government, and the same people who are now build the wall, build the wall, build the wall, are not angry because the EPA is doing this to people, right? They're not, and then the people who are like, oh, don't trample on the property rights of the people. All the liberal whack jobs who are like, open borders, don't build the wall, are not upset that right now the IRS is stealing personal property, the FBI is stealing personal property and civil asset forfeiture, the Department of Justice is taking personal property, the EPA, the Department of Interior. You have all of these federal agencies that are doing the same thing, working in the exact opposite, and we can't even have a serious discussion because we're so blinded by emotional politics. Well, we said this before. It's the most assaulted right. Property rights are your most assaulted right. We, it's not. It's not the right to keep and bear arms. It's just not. It's the one we get so emotional about, you know. And I get the idea. I mean, if they take your guns, and then then you're completely defenseless. So I get why it's so emotional and visceral. But it is not the one under the most assault. Right. The right to keep and bear arms. It's property rights. It's property rights. Absolutely. I mean, it's it began when we started accepting the fact that uh, we could pay property taxes and that if we failed to pay property taxes, then the government could take our land. Yeah. You see, most Americans don't have that thought in their mind when they go to pay their property taxes, that if you fail to pay your tra property taxes for three years, the government seizes your property. Now, the, the, the cumulative amount of three years of back property taxes is nowhere going to come to the level of the value of your property. So it's not like you're failing to pay and the government's taking your property as payment. Your property is worth more than that. What they're doing is they're seizing the property saying you forgot to pay your rent. They're evicting you as a, as a tenant. That reminds me, I, I got an email. I need to look into this. Um, you know, you talked about withholdings, right? Lowering your, lower your lowering your withholdings or whatever mm -hmm. apparently they've now made it made that illegal so not according to our to barbara who's a cpa okay I mean, I so just there's to her a, there's the somebody day. out there that they're trying to find because uh -huh. she uh, basically had low withholdings and then she thought i'll just write a check at the end of the year yeah they're fining her for under payment of taxes during the year. 
Well, I have to check with Barbara because I didn't make that statement without first checking with a CPA. So, so, so. You, <laughs> what I'm just saying that yeah. this is, you know, the indication of you're uh, you're a tenant, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Your property, you don't own it; you rent it, and you march to the beat of the drum of the IRS. Welcome back to our final segment of the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. For those of you, I'm very grateful for you that have stayed through the entire show without getting angry and turning me off. But I think, why can't we have, this is the kind of discussion we have to have. Yeah, and why I mentioned that thing before, because, you know, in in the context of property rights, because you don't own your property, you rent your property. Right. So this thing is like being late on your rent. They're saying, well, you didn't, you know, you were late on your rent, and so we're going to find you late fees, essentially. Because, I mean, think about your taxes. You're paying, you know, they're doing withholdings. That That's not necessarily what you owe, because you haven't even made your money yet to make mm-hmm. those calculations. And so, right. you know, they're, they're punish, fining people for something you, you can't do accurately anyway when the person is just saying, okay, I want to wait till the end of the year, and then I'll pay you what I owe you because again, this is like we talked about with the tax refund. They make money off yeah. of your money. Right. Because they can't, the year. they know that. And, and that's why, um, when I checked with Barbara about that and I, cause I had other people tell me this, give this plan for a, a lawful tax protest. And so when they came to me with this idea for a lawful tax protest, I immediately went to our friend Barbara, who is a CPA and said, look, I know that people claim now, now they've begun targeting right people. now. Now that people I know you and I both know that people people who claim a uh, less dependence so that they get more money taken out t- to build their federal savings yep. account. Right. They don't get fined. They don't get fined for overpaying. Right. So now. But and that's what Barbara said. It's, it doesn't matter what you claim throughout the year. It's what you what you reconcile on April 15th. And so the, the, the value of that tax protest was that the government has to have that money trickle in all year long in order to survive. Well, and you can put a damper on that now. flow. It's on the radar, and they're fighting back. Yeah. You're, well. you're a slave, people. You are a slave. And, and here's the whole point, I think, that I want to drive home about today's show. As controversial as it may sound, as hard it is as it is for some people to hear, remember, we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. We're going to be bringing you these discussions because they have to be had in order to be free people. You don't have to agree with me in order to have the discussion. JC and I don't agree all the time. He even disagreed with me in this show on minor points but we've got to understand that if we don't have these conversations we are slowly like a frog in a boiling pot of water becoming a futile kind of government Mm -hmm. i mean there would be some who already argue feudalism is in america you can't sacrifice one liberty for another and you and you can't sacrifice your liberty for security you, you don't get it back i mean that's 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 really what 
I'm, I'm glad you said that, JC, because the mind, the thing, there was a string running through my mind, and I wanted to make sure I brought it out. This is a dangerous precedent, hugely dangerous precedent. You have a precedent being established that the president is allowed to declare emergency for some failure of Congress to act, and then incumbent upon that 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 uh, uh, emergency he can now he or she whoever it may be in the future can now take your property without any real rational consideration of the of of your property rights whatsoever so what kind of president are we going to have in the future when the democrats take office because you know the democrats will have a president if not in 2020 they will have one in 2024 we will never have three republicans in a row that doesn't happen so you're going to have a democrat president who will now say well we have the the, the president is established that we can declare emergency uh, the president can declare an emergency for something he thinks is an emergency and we can take Take your property to facilitate that. That's that to me is the ignorance of this party thought process. The, this idea that Republicans and Democrats do different things. They do the same thing, but for different reasons. Yes. So when you look at uh, this, the taking of property, think back to the Kelo case. That was a conservative, conservative court decision. Uh, to seize that property, property on behalf of corporations. This is what happens on behalf of corporations and national security. That's the Republicans. The Republicans shred your rights for the benefit of corporations and national security. The the Democrats are going to swoop in and you know we're going to save the planet. We're going to seize your property and your business and whatever to save the planet or to make sure somebody's feelings aren't hurt or some kind of stupid thing. But it's all this massive expansion of federal power. And James Madison said that that is an unjust government. God bless you guys. We will see you again next time.